Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Change Room with Rod and Leslie. Um, This week, it's episode 11. We're pretty crazy excited. We were just talking before we started recording about how excited we are uh, to be at episode 11, how lucky we're feeling, and it kind of feels like an interesting time for us to pause and maybe not talk about topics that we're super interested in, Rod, but kind of let people know what got us into this whole change jam? Like, what is it about change that um, just tickled both of our fancies? I think our stories are a little bit different, but I, we thought that uh, you all might like to hear about what got us interested in change. Mm-hmm. So, Rod, I'm going to turn things over to you and ask you the question first, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your What's your story? What is it about change that got you so interested and excited and, you know, got your synapses firing? Yeah, how did I end up uh, working in what we call change management? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I, from an early age, was interested in uh, the the power of the the. This is going to sound too corny, but it's like the power of yeah. the mind, and that through your own will, like you can shape what you think, yeah. and that it can shape your life and. We on an earlier podcast we talked about uh, auto suggestion and and positive self talk and and I, I said yes. at the time it was like the first book the the book that I read that I was like wow this is super interesting was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill but that that's an example of wow like through your own thinking and you can shape your own thinking mm-hmm. uh, you can achieve something so um. When I went to, so that didn't, so a noted early interest, I was probably uh, late teens when I, when I read that. Right. Um, the other thing was, and I, I can't remember if it was me or my mom, but I don't know if you remember in the 80s that, and it went into the 90s too, you'd have all these infomercials. You'd have these like half hour oh, infomercials. Yes. And, and everyone in the audience would be going like, no way, that's amazing. So, Absolutely, I remember that, yes. So I, um, our family bought a couple, were the kind of per- people to like buy a couple of those things. Like I remember my, my sister got a few different things. We'd like the, the odd kitchen <laughs> appliance would show up. And I, and you know, Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins is still around, but he started right. selling these cassette tapes in the 80s around, I can't even remember what it's called. I still have these cassette tapes. Isn't it the power of something like the, it's, it's a power of something, power of yeah. being, power of something, something. Yeah. Yeah. I totally remember that. So I, so my memory is that it's my mom got them for me, but, but my mom's memory is, is that I insisted that she get them for me. <laughs> so, but that's a signal of being, it's the same kind of like, this is, you know, if, when you look back and say where, and if you do these like career assessment things and they say, well, Tell, tell us about what you're really interested in and what, you know, kind of drives your passion. Right. These are some early markers and examples of that. And by the way, I didn't get, it was like an 18 cassette thing you had to work through. I got through like the first four cassettes and it was just, that's a lot to ask <laughs> I didn't have person. the follow through. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a lot to ask of a person in their late teens, early 20s. Yeah, totally. So then I went to, in university, I, I um, I had like zero guidance counseling uh, and, and I just ended up doing whatever was interesting in the moment when I was applying to university and that was uh, kinesiology. So I was taking a high school course in kinesiology 
And I was like, this is interesting. I like working out. I like exercising. I'll take that course. Right. But then I got into and a little bit of luck was that um, the kinesiology programs were getting into ergonomics. And then so I got into working into ergonomics. And so I was working in offices, essentially diagnose, you know, essentially figuring out what was a problem that was causing people to hurt themselves and right. implementing a solution, which was the most fascinating. So to me, then the most fascinating was the psychology behind how people uh, put up, say, okay, I've had enough. I'm, this hurts me too much to work. Right. I'm going to stop. Right. Right. And, and that was more interesting to me than, I mean, the, the, the part of the physiology, like what actually hurt people was interesting, but there was the, more the psychology part of it. So these were all like, again, far from going, oh, I really want to do change management. Right. But it was, right. um, these were then the lead-ins to eventually when, I, in my mind, I always wanted to do a master's degree and I wanted to, um, I actually seriously considered doing one in uh, user design and I and cool. I stopped myself because I believed that you needed to be good artistically to, this is another self-limiting belief. I thought we're gonna oh. yeah we're gonna turn that into an episode someday and continue. <laughs> I thought oh you know I'm not really a good drawer and you need to be a good at drawing to do user design so ah uh, the other the other passion yeah. for me was psychology so fast forward to getting a first job I ended up in consulting and. Um, you know, human capital type consulting, you do lots of different projects. Right. And I, change management is like the majority of what consultants do. And many consultants just do it, but they don't love it. I really right. enjoy, I really loved it because it was this continuation of figuring out how people are, how people react to different situations. And then this element of like, if you, you know, frame and connect with people on their thoughts around something you can shift what their reaction is to it or you can you can influence uh an outcome you can you know right right move people towards a path that is what you're trying to work towards but i bal- i i think then the other philosophy i bring is this balance of the user design it's and it's about it's not it's not about manipulating it's about achieving something together that right. is is a good thing so it's very like i I'm not the kind of person who can implement or or work through towards something. And I don't think, and I'm not saying this to say that other people are, but, you know, it's, it's not about making people do things, whether they like it or not. It's about designing something that works well for people and achieving that outcome. So that's... And kind so of bringing that, them along the journey, right? I can see that being a big yeah. part of your... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But there was a... I had like a mid-career change management life crisis... Actually, that should be a long statement with hyphens in between. <laughs> Change management mid-career life crisis or whatever. Yes, that's a, I, that is a real thing. I bet lots of people are nodding their heads right now. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. that's the, you get into it, you learn a bunch, and then you, you realize people around you have no interest or understanding of what you're saying to them about what should be done. Oh, yeah. And all they want is just, actually, they don't really want anything. They just want to something to keep you busy and and all you can do is just basic stuff like 
let's just communicate with people or sure okay fine yeah. people need to get let's trained let's do a job beforehand. aid it'll be just some yeah. training and a communication and we're done Ugh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so the um so that for me was the part let's connect to the other part which is i think to your question like how does this how do we get to wanting to talk about what we're talking about on our podcast that was a, a tough part to go through um and it really forced a lot of personal change because then i started thinking well to advance you know my career this is not satisfying uh where do i shift towards and then it it was affecting me and how well you know what i was doing um i wasn't able to bring my like i wasn't bringing energy to what i was doing i wasn't Mm. you know really satisfied And, and it really forced me to go through the process of learning how to manage myself through the, these changes in my mid-career and and, um, and so yeah that then is the other part so my interest in psychology interest in my own self-reflection and understanding myself and all that stuff and then in, kind of forced through the part of dealing with and, and coming to I, I don't know like to reconcile Right. The challenges of doing this professionally. Um, because it ain't easy. Let's, yeah, you know. Let, yeah, let anyone to, who's in change management. Of, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so then, like, the stuff that we talk about, it's a mix of my education and my own self, like, over the, I'd say, the last seven years of just my own reading to understand more and to explore more yeah. how people go through and and adjust to the challenges that that I was facing and that you know obviously all of us do so that's when we talk about change and it's like the human experience it is really this natural human experience that we go through and we just we're not equipped uh you know it's not one of the classes that we take is like how to manage ourselves through it um, which is if I you know I honestly sometimes think about if we were to redesign and I mean, the three R's, I think, are so important, right? Like you can't you can't do away with science-based learning and, and all that. But if we were to add on some life skills, this would be, I think, a really critical, like managing your finances is one and, you know, getting through change successfully and without feeling like you're going to crumble and fall apart, I think is another really great life skill that we could yeah. do a better job of teaching younger people. Yeah. Definitely. Overtly. And, like other than, because otherwise I feel like, like what your story is saying and what my story will say is we kind of had to figure it out ourselves. We had to find our own way and yeah. our own path to these things. Right. So mm-hmm. a little bit of guidance never hurt a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. And you know, now that thinking, like recognizing that, I think that we're starting to see that because you know, that other podcast that you and I both like the happiness lab. Yes. It's actually now that now that we're saying it or I was saying like we don't taught it and that that's a situation at a university where they are teaching that that, that yeah. person she is teaching a course around these things because she'd identified this this need among the students that they're seeing so hopefully that's a good sign that there's more and more we'll see some of this uh, uh, earlier on in our lives because I think of this as like wow if some of these lessons if I'd heard <laughs> in in my 20s I would you know, it would right. not to say that it would have transformed, but it, it certainly would have. Uh, it, it's important to learn early on because these are things that we come across even early in our lives and career. Definitely, definitely. 
So that's my that's my um, how we ended up interest how I ended up interested in change management and and ha- interested in having these conversations with you around uh, mm-hmm. change and the change that we go through. Cool. Now, what about Leslie? Now's the turn for you to lie on the couch. <laughs> ready i'm comfortable tell me about your life i've got my blankie all set i'm good i'm ready i'm ready um okay so my it's so it's always so interesting i kind of have known obliquely about parts of your story but not the whole thing and so it's always so interesting to hear someone else's path because mine is similar but different so um i had this like super idyllic childhood uh up until i was about eight or nine years old and I had, didn't have to question anything. Like everything was just honestly as perfect as a kid could get it. And then my parents split and my whole world broke apart. And that I think is what got me to start questioning in my late teens and early 20s. Like that was my, um, it was suffering, my own, what, what was my own suffering that brought me to this, like what is going on in the universe? But unlike you, where I think you took a more logical path towards it, I ended up studying math in university to try to make Mm. sense of the universe. I just, I really needed to understand. Yeah. At a fun, because I didn't take like, you know, math that you can use in real life. I I took like modern algebra and advanced calculus and all these crazy, I mean, you could if you were going on to be a physicist, I I was never going to do that. But it was more, I was trying to I was studying math to try to understand how the universe worked and like, and therefore how I fit into it and, and how everything sort of, like what was the design of the universe and, and, and just trying to make sense of my place in it. And then through that started reading, like you were saying, like reading a bunch of different books. Um, a pivotal one for me was Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Did you ever read that I've one? I've heard of that. No. Yeah, it was it was a it was a good one for me. I don't even I don't remember a thing about it other than when I read it I was like my brain opened up and uh, I started sort of seeing things a little bit differently and just started going down that path of inquiry. You know, yeah, I've talked on this podcast before about I started seeing a therapist and that was all around like I I started all this inquiry stuff first and then I got and I actually considered the person who is my therapist to almost be like a guide more than uh, more than a therapist because he kind of mm-hmm. pointed to me into these different directions of things to read. And uh, so that was, I think, you know, my personal, like how I personally got interested in it was just really trying to understand how the universe worked. And mm-hmm. I had always been kind of a people watcher. So it was always in the context of watching how people operate with one another and how people, you know, in a classroom, what, where does, where does power sit and how does it move Mm. around the room and, and watching kind of, this is going to sound like flu flu again, but here we go. Watching how energy moves around a room. I find still to this day, inherently fascinating. Like when you're, you know, now, not now during, but in the before times pre COVID, in a meeting room and you sort of watch and feel energy move around. I just find that fascinatingly interesting um, like from a human behavior standpoint. Yeah. And then um, I, I kind of like you, like I was doing a bunch of different things. I was doing facilitation for a while in a classroom. So like teaching different courses and I would have, I would see people have those light bulb moments where you could see that they got a new concept for the very first time. 
And I found that so rewarding. I, like I, that you, you talked about energy, you know, mm-hmm. things that give you energy and things that deplete energy that gave me so much energy. Mm-hmm. And then I worked on this big giant transformation uh, project, like a big giant transformation project. And I was implementing new software that I thought every like it was so much better than anything that anyone had seen before. And I went into it with the assumption everyone's going to love this. Like this is this mm-hmm. is the best thing ever. And then I met one woman who had been in the same job at the same location doing the same thing for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And even though the former system was like green and black screens and you had to memorize all these like secret code, which probably no one here even knows what a green and black screen. But like, let me tell you, mm-hmm. it was horrible. You had to memorize all these secret codes to make it work and whatever. It was crazy. And she was devastated mm-hmm. because she was the one person who knew how to do all the things. And like she had all this power because she knew mm-hmm. how to do all the things and I like that's the very first time in in a professional setting that I realized, wow, this is not you can't go in with any assumptions mm-hmm. when you're changing people's lives, whether it's in process or technology or moving people around or whatever. You mm-hmm. can't go in with any assumptions about how people are going to respond to it. And that that sent me down the real rabbit hole of change management mm-hmm. where I was like, wow, I didn't even know change management was a thing. I'm not even sure it was at the time. But the fact that everyone responds so differently to change and trying to help Mm -hmm. people through that, like really trying to just help people get through that. I, I, that was a, that was a bit of a, an awakening moment for me. Um, I think until that point, a lot of my study had been very internal. How do I get through it? And that Mm -hmm. was the moment I would say where it became more externally driven. Like how do I help others through this thing mm. and how do I make sure that I'm not taking my worldview and or my assumptions and applying it to another person, you know? Mm. Yeah. 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 And then That's, it's just kind of grown since then. Like I just kind of, you know, then, I, then I, it just is a lifetime. It's a lifetime study. I feel. Yeah. Okay. I got a couple of questions for you. Okay. Go. And go. I, go. I, I want, I didn't want to ask you while you're telling, cause I didn't want to interrupt the flow, but I want to go back to the math. What is it about that <laughs> kind of math so that helps you understand like the world? Like, what is it about that theoretical math that someone could say, yeah, it, it's a way to understand things? Oh, um, I guess for me, it's like an ordering principle. It's a sorting principle of how, like understanding how numbers work and it's that application to the world just mm-hmm. sort of helped me, help brought, brought a structure, I think, to my thinking that I really, at the time, was craving and mm-hmm. brought uh, an, a, a deeper understanding. I feel, like, I feel like math and music and language are so um, intimately interconnected. And mm-hmm. I think by understanding sort of the language of math, it translated for me into a deeper understanding of music and and, and language and it just all came together to just give me such a sense of calm um mm. which I know is not why a lot of people take math I mean my you know my father was begging me to I hated statistics uh it just yeah. was never my jam right like it just was too logical and you but you can make good money as an actuary so my dad was like come on you're doing the math become an actuary but <laughs> no that was just not my calling that was not my calling it was more yeah. just 
really trying to understand the story that numbers tell. And yeah, um, yeah I don't know. And there's beauty in it as well. There's such, they say that, you know, if you're trying to solve an equation for the first time, you know, there should be, there, there's always symmetry in math. And so mm. if you're going through your, through your solution and it looks asymmetrical or non-beautiful, because symmetry and beauty often we understand as the same thing, then you're probably mm. not on the right path. And how cool is mm. that? Yeah. How cool is that, right? Like that's math and art together then. Yeah. You know, so those principles I just found so calming and so, um, I don't know. Yeah, it just brought, yeah. A, it brought a sense of just peace into my life at a time yeah. where things were fairly tumultuous, you know? Yeah, could you say, I guess it's something that it's it's real, like it's it's there, right. it's proven, it's always the the same, and always the same, but it's like, it's solid. You it, can get an answer yeah, in math, you can get, right? Like not yeah. in everything, there's all the theorems out there that people can't solve, but like, it, you know, certainly in second and third year yeah. university, you, you, can, yeah. you can get an answer in math. And so me, uh, I think I found that really appealing. Nice. So I want, there's a, listening to what you were saying, and there was another thing that tied to it is, is around the facilitation and you could see the energy in the room. And I, 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 that this is an example of one of the things that I see a little bit myself, but it, it actually, what it reflects is, I think is we each are able to see and understand things sometimes at a, a different level than other people. Yeah. Like, so when you, then the person you talked about who was like taking in the, the change uh, from the system and like completely turned over by it, to me, I I get that and so easily and understandably. I, I guess it's because also I've, you know, maybe been around similar situations, but right. it's the part of just understanding that that person, they, they've gotten to their spot it's so destabilizing to change something that somebody else would see from their perspective as, you know, super benefits. Almost. Right. Obviously, we'd want to get Finally, rid of the old thing. Right. Finally, we want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the um, and maybe in a way it's like, like, I, I don't think I see, like the facilitation I really enjoy doing and I, and I, I enjoy the flow of the room. But I don't think I've ever been able to see that the dynamic like you described there. And um, but and that's I mean, that's why we each bring our own talents to situation. You know, it's, well, this is just fascinating to me, Rod, because this is this might be one of the self-limiting beliefs that we talked about in whatever episode we talked about. But I actually mm. think you're pretty good at guiding a room. Which mm. which makes me think that you because I we've been in meetings together, guys. Like mm. no shock, uh, but yeah, I actually think you're pretty good at doing that. I'm maybe. surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, maybe I you just may, I don't know where I'm differently. You yeah, may not, you may not know that you're seeing it, but the way you guide conversation yeah. tells me that you do see it. Yeah, fascinating. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. maybe it's more. Sp- Subcon- well subconscious for me yeah that's right i'm not like recognizing this point and then moving and guiding from there i'm just into it myself yeah but okay so i wanted to just uh wanted to ask that question around the math and then that connect with the uh uh the but i would say side. like well I'll, I'll tie to around from a change as a professional in change management that's one of the toughest things to convey to others is like that observation from the person that you're talking about is like how that's actually a real thing 
how destabilizing that can be and how that's right. not addressed by just telling them the benefits. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Um, because it is a real impact on them. So so you had this transformation uh, project experience. You started to see the uh, see these things and the interest in that type of work. And then where did it go? So you, were you not in a change management role at that stage? Was it heavens? No, I don't even. I'm not even sure. Like this is uh, this is the year two thousand, I guess. So I'm not even certain that change management like was a fully born discipline. It, I don't think it was necessarily called that. It probably existed mm-hmm. in some other language in like a master's program or whatever. But I, I don't think it was called change management. But it just it then all of my career decisions after that had a leaning towards helping people through change. And then I finally worked for a VP who was awesome and uh, we're still close to this day. And, um, and she said, Hey man, I think we should create the bank's first change management methodology. I think it's time. Mm. And I was in the project management office at the time. I had no idea what it meant to create a methodology. I had no idea how to do it. I didn't even, again, like I didn't, I'd, I'd done my ProSci certification, I think by that time. So I kind of knew a little bit more, but creating a methodology. So together we did that. And that was when I was, you know, I was super hooked. And, yeah. um, you know, like th- then I, I saw the power and you're such a rock star at this, but like the application of change management within change management is also just so much fun. I mean, and oh, now yeah. my my true change nerdiness is coming out, but there's just such a there's such an elegance to it when you can um, when you get people to see things in a in a slightly different way. And I have yeah. had it was so funny when you said earlier about it's not manipulation and all of that. I have when I've been teaching courses about change in the past, I've had people say to me, "But aren't you just like aren't you manipulating people? Aren't you just trying to?" And I mean, and so my answer to that is always. Uh, like if you if you look at something from the perspective of the dark side, then sure, you could you could call it that. But if you mm-hmm. look at it from the perspective of the light side, it's about helping people. I mean, change is going to happen all around us no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so on the light side, it's about helping people through ex- changes that are going to happen no matter what. I mean, that mm-hmm. heat is going to go on and go on and go on, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, but I do get I do get super excited talking about I talking about change. Yeah, I geek it out. That's what I say at work. I'm geeking out about change because <laughs> I have to hold, I have to hold it back sometimes when I'm not talking to change people. Do you have to do that I too? Know. I do. Yeah, like the totally. And I've I've learned. I think I've um, gotten better at this. But even at times, there was a recent situation where we were talking about like what I think it needs to get done and. And, you know, people throw on the word, word culture, we've got a culture change. And it, it's yeah. used so often that it's, it, you really have to ask, like, what do you think you mean by right. you mean culture change? <laughs> um, but Tell so I was... a little bit more about that. Yeah, in this situation, I was like, yeah, I think you're right. And, and then I was starting to say, like, here's some of the things I think we need to do to get there. And I could tell like the blanks so it was like a video call mm-hmm. so i could see the person and they're going they're not they're they're being very polite but just i'm not sure what this he's talking about and <laughs> that sounds way over like why would any of that be necessary right i'm the that. leader can't i just say to do it and then people will do it 
Yeah. Bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. <laughs> so the, um, it's always it, it in a way it's it's like we've fine tuned our perception of of a situation that we can see so much detail and nuance it in it Mm -hmm. and um you know lots of people around who haven't spent all those years into discussing it they don't see that level of fidelity like they see uh you know it's like in the dynamic of a room they see people in a room talking or do they see where the you know where the where's the flow where's the energy but where's the discussion leading and I, I yeah i guess that's it i mean on that discussion that to me the interesting part of the facilitation is is trying to see where that discussion is going to go towards and you try to mm-hmm. navigate it back but the um i think one of our challenges in our profession but this would not be just for change management this would be for anything is how do you bring along people enough so that they can see and understand what the need is? Um, and and I think part of the answer is actually it's building the trust because they'll, yeah. they'll never quite understand it to the same depth that the professional will, but they need to a little bit of understanding and then the trust that you're going to lead them down the right path. Well, that I, you know, uh, honestly, I feel like I'm. I feel like I want us to do an episode on trust. Now we've never even talked yeah. about that as a topic, but I do think that is so important. And maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe that's part of the appeal for both of us as well. Because um, I, I, I like to think I'm a trustworthy person. I think you're mm-hmm. a very trustworthy person, and um, maybe for people for whom that is an important part of one's identity value system however you want to call it there's also maybe mm-hmm. an appeal into change yeah yeah i think there is and you definitely are you know the oh, and you this... definitely are <laughs> <laughs> thanks um yeah i think it is really important you know there's one uh, along the way of all the different change models and methodologies one um I remember one time a person was saying like, oh yeah, we're using this change methodology for our project. And I was like, oh, what is it? This was years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at it and it was it was like, essentially the approach was about building trust. It, it, and it was like, you know, um, structure meetings in an organized way, follow through right. on action items. Um, and... And so my first look at it was like, oh, this is not a change methodology. Then I thought about it. I'm like, well, you know what? If you did all this stuff well, yeah, people would come along with you because basically you're building the trust. So there's elements of that um, which are really important. We should dive into it uh, because I think it's... I want us to do an episode on trust now. I'm super obsessed. Yeah. And that's really like trust in the in the context of change and the role it plays. I, I think that's a, I think we'd have a lot to talk about, mm-hmm. which tells me, my friend, I think we're probably I mean, you know, our goal this week, guys, was to give you all a little bit of a sense of of why we are so tickled by change management. And I think you've got a sense of that now. And the fact that really Rod and I could probably talk for hours on end about all of the different tentacles um, that uh, that come from an interest in change, whether it's about trust or growth mindset or self-limiting beliefs or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, we wanted to
to give you a little bit of a taste of that so that you know, I mean, we really do come from, we come at this from a very honest place of a passion about change, a passion for helping other people. And um, yeah, I think all of our life experiences have kind of, not led us to this moment, but then that sounds really like, oh, but it kind of feels like all of those experiences have led us to where we are right now, which is kind of fun to think about. Mm-hmm. It, it is. And it's true. I, I think at any moment, it's it essentially is the culmination of who we are. Is, mm-hmm. And uh, we can bring this out to our conversations, which not only hopefully is interesting for people, but I know it's very uh, interesting and it, it makes me think and even see th- our things differently as we've talked about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I start to see the connection, a stronger connection with these concepts. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a learning experience for for us too, as we have these conversations. Which is about as good as life gets, I think. As long as we're mm-hmm. still learning, life is good. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. I loved hearing your, like the full extent of your story this week. That was so awesome. Yeah, likewise. I'm going to get you to facilitate a learning session sometime soon. So watch out. Dunity, done, done, done. <laughs> that is my happy place. Yes. <laughs> Okay, everybody, have a great week. Thanks, Rod. It's, as always, awesome to chat with you. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye, everyone.